Hey everybody, welcome to Shallow Dives. Uh, yeah, so Christian, we are in some unprecedented times. You know, the the world economy is at a standstill. Viruses be running rampant. Um, you know, it's a it's a risk every time you walk out of your front door. Uh, so, what better movie to watch with all this free time that we have than uh, fucking Contagion? The uplifting, um, heartwarming tale. Yeah, the uh, what 2011 Steven Soderbergh uh, film, Contagion, uh, all star cast. Uh, so, this is a movie that I saw a few years ago at my friend Jackson's urging because I've always had, and lucky me, right? I've always had this sort of fear of viruses like and viruses in movies specifically like it just uh freaks me out um i don't have fears of a lot of things like i'm fine with spiders i'm fine with wasps i don't fuck with them but i'm fine with them but you you put a virus in a movie and i'm done outbreak cabin fever no thank you but my friend was like no look you love steven soderbergh this movie is really good please watch it so a few years after it came out i watched it Still freaked me out, but very much enjoyed it. Uh, and a big part of that for me is that it was uh, mostly a clinical sort of what-if scenario. It's just emotionally removed enough to not be completely terrifying. Different circumstances that we're in now. Um, Christian, what was your experience re-watching Contagion? What's your history with this movie? Right. Uh, it's interesting you didn't see it when it came out because you and I have talked about on our other podcast, Where's My Burrito, uh, th- that Soderbergh, I think, is often uh, overlooked for being that motherfucker in, in cinema yeah. who's doing some things continually, never never satisfied with the status quo, always taking chances. Uh, and this was a really interesting time in his career because it mm-hmm. felt like he had political clout. Like he was coming off all the fucking ocean movies and stuff like that, like had made the studio movies and was able yeah. to tell Soderbergh stories on a much larger scale like this and side effects were kind of back-to-back films for him um Mm -hmm. and i'm a big fan of side effects but i think contagion um i remember watching it when it came out being like oh wow that was really good and you know whatever it was a good entertainment film you know what i'm saying uh watching it this time was fucking horrifying and even (laughs) though you're right it's different it it's horrifying because Soderbergh's such a good filmmaker and it's mm. something I, I noticed as when I was younger, but you know, the older you get and the, when you start to take time to think about why you're being shown exactly what you're being shown, like, you know, director intent and stuff like that. It, this movie's the scariest fucking thing I've seen in so long uh, to the point where there are multiple times me and my wife were like, you want to just like turn this off <laughs> like, because we started to feel really icky. Like it's psychosomatically. We're like, Oh shit, maybe we're all sick already. You know what I mean? It became this really, right thing um but yeah watching it uh this time was both very scary and then at the same time a little bit comforting um yeah. you know because shit gets bad but we'll, we'll this ain't as bad this. as it is <laughs> right yeah uh the mortality rate for the virus in uh contagion is 20 percent or north of 20 percent the mortality rate for covid19 is anywhere between 1.5 and 4.5 percent so right there Still a lot of people dying, but, you know, not as bad as this movie. Because this movie, it happens so quickly uh, on the timeline. Um, And it's just people being buried in mass graves and 
just complete meltdown of, you know, daily institutions. Life. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, mean, what I, I was, I was going to say really quickly that that's, what's really interesting about it is that the timeline word, because the first 10, 15 minutes, uh, mostly without dialogue. I mean, there's a couple of scenes for sure, but right. what it does is you're, you're in, you're in different continents, you're in different countries, you're tracking multiple people and you're saying that they're all sick. And what's really genius about it. And I think which is the even scarier little punctuation at the end of the film is they don't show you day one. They don't show you transmission. They show you day two. Right. We start, we start 24 hours screen. after we're fucked. Yeah. Black screen, you hear Gwyneth Paltrow coughing, and then day two. Um, and then uh, Soderbergh playing into his strengths, and this is something I texted to you, um, but something that I really value about him as a filmmaker, and there's a lot of things to value, is that obviously very smart guy, able to break down a complicated thing, like the idea of like a complicated casino heist or the transmission of a virus uh, visually in a clear, concise way that you can understand. He makes the idea of uh, somebody with a cough touching a surface and then somebody else touching that surface terrifying and easily understood um, that, oh, they're passing it to this person, this person's passing it to this person. And then like dominoes uh, with minimal to no dialogue, you see each of these people fall and uh, die and seize up and foam at the mouth and everything. And it's, legitimately uh terrifying um especially that first 15 minutes uh much more terrifying than i remembered it being well and again it's recency bias but also because every time i go out and i see people just willy-nilly touching shit i'm like you fucking idiots oh my so like i start getting really <laughs> mad at that uh which yeah i mean i think that that that's like an amazing introduction because they set up the stakes and we see them and like the way he tight tightens the focus on this specific person touching something and whatnot um yeah, dude, really, really harrowing stuff to begin with. <laughs> that's that's yeah. kind of the problem, and that's the precedent it sets. I'm of two minds because, uh, as we all know, I really hate Gwyneth Paltrow completely because she's a hateable person, not because there's anything wrong with me. Yeah, this is the most I've ever liked her in a movie, <laughs> and they also kill her off in the first seven minutes. Right. So, you know. Which, uh, master stroke, by the way. She's mostly retired from acting at this point, aside from occasional appearances in Marvel movies. But right. um, yeah, at the time that this movie was made, she was still a household name actress. Now she's a household name wellness uh, huckster, snake oil salesman, uh, <laughs> which is funny uh, given yeah. <laughs> this movie and its message, even funnier now. Um, but the, the master stroke of this movie is to take somebody as recognizable as her and kill her off so abruptly and horrifically. Um, and irreversibly. Uh, and she's so, fucking great. I mean, the thing is, she's yeah. really good in the movie, too. It's uh -huh. like the most I've ever liked her. And she has to do the heavy lifting of making that shit scary because, like, all the other people you'd seen, they had collapsed, but we hadn't yes. seen the seizure seizure. Holy shit. Like, there's that scene where Soderbergh, again, restrained as a director. We cut to what the kid's seeing. Uh, and, yeah. and it's obscured. You don't even really see. You just see like the body convulsing, and you're like, "Oh my mm -hmm. god!" Uh, and so when then we actually get the hospital scene, that's like equally horrific. And then the sawing of the brain and stuff like that. Also, and, Damon, and then, I was I was gonna say this really quickly. It's so I know we all hate Matt Damon a little bit. <laughs> I know. But he we does, collectively went from really loving Matt Damon <laughs> to really hating him, and but. Just but Time. but we don't hate the talent because the guy's talented sometimes and i actually really liked what he did uh in this movie i think he has a the, he's kind of the emotional burden of the film not to say there aren't other people and other characters you're supposed to be rooting for but it's really laying at his feet because he's given two traumatic blows in the beginning and has to hold it yeah in, you know? it's not and it really does like come not full circle it, it really impacts even more uh 
not that his wife dies and not that he finds out that his wife was cheating on him, but then when he goes home and sees the, the son, mm-hmm. uh, his stepson, I guess, right. uh, dead in his bed, just eyes open, the foam at the mouth or whatever. It was like, Jesus Christ. It's just one after the other, how quickly it happens. Um, but yeah, Matt Damon does a good job. He's Damoning around, you know, but he's not out there talking to scientists and saying, we got to solve this problem. No, you listen. He doesn't have like a big Jerry Maguire speech like he always fucking does in these movies. He's just a helpless guy. Yeah, again, well, Soderbergh is good at doing that. He really gives you a bunch of perspectives. I think that's why I liked it is that Damon serves no other purpose. I mean, yeah, like his wife's patient zero maybe or, or patient one, I guess, because mm-hmm. we find out the origin at the end of the film. But uh, other than that, he just represents that middle America uncertainty, like, you know, like not knowing what's going to fucking happen. Like when the institutions break down, he is our window into that world you know what i mean whereas larry fishburne and kate winslet and all those people are world into the cdc and how we respond to these pandemics and like what the uh first order of business is it's really crazy to me that like they hire a whole brother kate winslet's like the communications director or something right Mm -hmm. she's got to like communicate everything and they're just like going over how important it is to say the right things to make sure that messaging matters and it's just like wow this has never felt like a worse time to be alive in 2020 just because this movie presupposes a competent response, a CDC that's fully funded and people who are on the side of science, which is Mm -hmm. not where we're at. Yeah. That, that is the, uh, we said earlier that the reassuring thing is that the mortality rate isn't 20%, but then the scary thing, the depressing thing watching this movie is that, like you said, um, it assumes that our governmental institutions are, are competent, that they're going to hold up, that the right things are going to happen. And even with all of those right things, things are still bad, like terrible even. It's a, like a post-apocalyptic America that this movie depicts, you know? Um, but overall, I uh, really liked this movie even more. As terrifying as it is, it's still alarmingly effective. Um, ballsy in that I think you were about to say like it kills off Kate Winslet like one of these other really big actresses um, very quickly Uh, if I had one complaint about this movie it would just be uh, what felt like almost a dropped or half-assed plotline with Marion Cotillard um, oh I agree totally China or whatever Um, aside from that everything sort of connects and overlaps and fits together in a very uh, satisfying way narratively Um, and then bringing it back home with that that very again like clear point A to point B uh, deforestation leads to a bat flying leads to the bat shitting on a pig leads to the pig getting slaughtered and then the guy shaking hands with Gwyneth Paltrow end movie perfect ending like holy shit no, yeah. it is. I mean, you feel cold, uh, right? Like, there's really no yeah. other way to explain it. And yet, it's uh, the kind of filmmaking uh, p- perfection. Like, you know, like the, the ballet dance. Like, oh, they nailed it. You know, figure skating. They did a triple axel. I don't know what that fucking means, but it's supposed yeah. to be really cool. When when people do that, when the directors are that fucking talented, and they the last frame leaves you like fuck. You know, yeah. that doesn't happen all the time. Coen Brothers come to mind because No Country for Old Men, like that final mm-hmm. scene is like, fuck me. Like we're walking out of the theater, like unsure how to feel, but knowing we felt something. And uh, yeah. yeah, pretty phenomenal. I, I was going to talk about like, I want to know, uh, one thing that I thought was really interesting is like the origin of the virus in this film is from Hong Kong, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of interesting just given like Wuhan and like the country of origin and stuff like that. Um, do you think there was like a missed opportunity in that film because right now we're dealing with a lot of racist rhetoric <laughs> because mm. of the virus like oh it's the these people did this sort of deal you know what i mean uh and so it's like really 
uh, fresh on our minds now. You didn't really see too much of that in Contagion. And so oh, my like question the, then became like... Pointing in a racial way? Yeah. Um, and yeah. so my question then became, because like, I know it's, it's really hip to think like, oh, we're only like this now because Trump emboldened racist. But like historically, if we look back far enough, these things happened. We do have a xenophobic like uh, reaction sure. to it a lot of the times. Yeah, I mean, possibly a missed opportunity, but that is one thing to consider with a subject this big. It didn't really get in. You never see the president in this movie. You never see exactly what happens with Congress. You never see, like, there's a lot of different aspects that they could have depicted, but they keep it pretty grounded with the principles. Um, It's such a huge subject, as we're realizing, like, every day there's... Uh, article after article that is worth reading um, from a perspective you haven't thought of before and then new developments on top of that. This movie, I think, is smart in what it chooses to depict. Um, it's not a movie that I would want to franchise out of like, hey, like, let's see like 15 other perspectives. Contagion 2. <laughs> yeah, they, they uh, really could have um, because it's just that big of a subject as I think we're realizing because we're fucking living it. You're right. It's a huge canvas, like for sure. Uh, and and I, didn't, I didn't even realize how big it was until you mentioned like we didn't see the president or the legislative branch or like, like any of that stuff. And it's, and it's really interesting uh, because you have to kind of focus in at the same time. This is a global pandemic and you're in Asia. We're in here. And we, we see on the models, by the way, France and Italy being completely fucked. And so it's, mm-hmm. it was really interesting. Um, I, 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 the other thing I wanted to talk about was sort of the Alex Jones uh, fucking weird, yeah, Jude Law's character in this, which like the, the comic relief, but also the most infuriating character at the same time. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's by the way Jude Law doing. It was, we were talking about this too off mic. It's like the Soderbergh Jude Law era <laughs> it was, yeah. it yielded some weird it's results, but side effects in this. Um, yeah, just seeing Jude Law, and maybe it wasn't even supposed to be funny, but seeing him in like a makeshift spaceman hazmat suit walking down the streets of San Francisco, just putting flyers on people's cars about Forsythia, like while like fucking houses are shuttered and boarded up and shit was uh, great. Um, I, I mean, he was definitely hilarious and the, and yet uh, there were still things to be really scared of. And well, that. yeah, infuriating because we're seeing so much of that. Now we're seeing that from fucking Gwyneth Paltrow of all people like her trying to sell like, uh, or write articles about like uh, home remedies for coronavirus and shit and seeing Alex Jones do the same and you know, multiple, multiple people taking advantage of this current crisis to, to make a buck. So like oddly, or maybe not oddly prescient, I, I guess it's common sense that people will come out of the woodwork to take advantage of a crisis, but um, still interesting that he chose to center on that character. Glad yeah, I, well, I thought it was really interesting because I, I think like in the beginning of it, I'm on his side, by the way, because it's like, yes, the people should have a right to know. And I also didn't like the demonization. I guess that's right on the cusp of when like print media was literally about to die. You know what I'm saying? Like before people took Internet journalism as a real form of journalism and stuff like that. But I was on his side. And then throughout it, you kind of realize that like the influence of power is this thing that corrupts. Like at first, it seemed like he was altruistic trying to do something. And then once you have that influence, right, as Two million unique visitors, twelve million unique visitors. Like right. that shit then influences him, and he realizes he's opportunistic. At the end, he kind of gets in trouble for what, like extortion, fraud, conspiracy, like all that shit, because he's trying to get a price. I think he's about to say that before they, mm-hmm. he sees the agents or whatever. But he's like, 
what am I going to get out of it? And that's like what these people ultimately want. They don't really give a shit about spreading the truth or any right. of that stuff. It's just about lying. That, that one woman he has kind of like a personal rapport with who's pregnant and he's like, I'm sorry, I don't have any for Scythia for you. And he knows very damn well that for Scythia does nothing. Um, but here he is, you know, hawking it on the internet. Uh, completely selling his morals down the river if he ever had any. It's hard to say. Like, he champions the idea of, like, truth and transparency, but at the end of the day, he's as big a liar as anybody. Um, yeah, I, I saw some church pastors doing that, too, is selling a God potion, and I'm just like, Jesus fucking Christ. Because, like, I expect it from the Hucksters. I know God potion's hilarious. I expect it from the Alex Joneses. I do, because they've, like, the Glenn Becks, they've made a career of already proving that they're morally bankrupt. But to be so blatant about it as a man of God, quote-unquote, is pretty horrific <laughs> yeah but you know this could send us spiraling so i just want to quickly just say uh lawrence fishburne uh stand out in a cast of really uh talented famous well-known actors um same with uh, kate, kate winslet like for her brief springtime or springtime screen time makes an impact um I was going to even John say, Hawks. let me, John, thank you. John Hawks is on the, in the film for four minutes collectively and is fucking yeah. wonderful every time he's on it. He's really yeah. great. Um, just radiates like sincerity and concern for his child and everything. Um, yeah, no, really effective movie, uh, really hard to watch, but hey, it's trending right now, man. It's like number three on Google Play's top rentals right now. Like it's uh, it's only going to keep, I, mean, like, I was wondering, like imagine you're Soderbergh or Scott Z. Burns or whatever, and you're just yeah. like, wow, getting a lot of residuals on this this month. Like, like you know what I'm saying? Like imagine he's down on his luck. He's paid child support. He's triple mortgaged on the house. And all of a sudden this contagion money comes through. What a gift. <laughs> like, <laughs> like people are dying. All, but blew all the savings money. on his weird iPhone movies and stuff. Now now he's making bank. He's making it back. Good for you, Soda Boyk. I just, I don't know. That cracked me up so much. Um, yeah, I mean, if there's one thing to take from it, yeah, I mean, we're not going to spiral here. If there's one thing to take from it, it's like, look, it seemed like people get their shit together. Like, things will get really bad. I'm scared. Like, that fucking supermarket scene is horrifying, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's why we should all stay away from everyone. But I, I was going to say the thing that really got me was the Simpsons-like nature of like, Simpsons predicted Trump, Simpsons predicted 9-11. <laughs> like to hear social distancing like in a 2011 movie, which of course we've heard yeah. in our lifetimes, but like not relevant, it gets put away in a file cabinet fucking 50 rows back, you know what I'm saying? So like right. to hear it, I'm like, what the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> like yeah it's rough especially just that scene where the pregnant woman is standing in line for for Scythia and you just see that line of compact people and the guy coughing behind her I've had that exact experience on the subway a couple of weeks ago like it, right. it's it's very much something that's become so much more real for all of us um so hopefully uh people stay the fuck away from each other for the next you know however many months this goes on and you and can, can uh, come out of this a lot cleaner than uh, they do in this movie Really, just break up your time into albums and movies, and you can spend two hours not around people if you watch Contagion. And it's really good, if not horrifying. So, you know, take that with what you will. Um, I, at some point, I really do want to do a Soderbergh uh, deep dive, just because I find him as a director, specifically in the first 15 minutes, his style, uh, his mm -hmm. symmetry. In a lot of ways, it reminded me also of Fincher, which I, I guess there's an auteur crossover, but generally their styles are so distinct. But I felt like the, that first 15 well, minutes felt so 
They've got that very kind of clinical, cold, sort of uh, removed but intellectual approach to like uh, a topic or filming something right. where you are kind of removed from it. And like uh, it's almost an omniscience that sort of comes through, like with Fincher and Soderbergh, especially with this movie. Um, but yeah, Soderbergh's an interesting dude, like one of the most interesting fuckers out there in that he strikes me, and he could be an egomaniac, but he strikes me as totally egoless, like in terms right. of like, will take on any project that's interesting to him. He was like one of the first fuckers that uh, ever, I think the very first um, major director that took a chance on uh, video, um, like on demand, like releasing a movie into theaters and like a streaming platform at the same time uh, with the movie Bubble back in like 2003. Like dude's ahead of his time. And crowdsourcing. Um, I mean, he funded uh, Spike Lee's The the Sweet Blood of Jesus, which is like a remake of Ganja and Hess. And it's not a perfect film, but it's a movie I'm glad exists. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because it's a really fun director trying to do something different. Uh, and Soderbergh is like a champion of that. And he's, he's really interesting. Weird ways like Linklater as well. And then we're comparing him to other auteurs, but it's just like Linklater went and did fucking school of rock like it's there's not this idea of like oh high art low art like anything that's right. interesting to him he'll find a way to make it interesting and, and accessible so um it's even even the end of the world <laughs> so go Soderbergh um all right cool so I mean we just wanted to do a special episode of uh of, of shallow dives talking about this really scary movie should we stay in topic are there other you know do you want to do you want to do like a quarantine you want to do the movie quarantine with Dexter's sister or uh. <laughs> I, I'd prefer not to. <laughs> you could do ET, but just the quarantine scene at the end where they're poking them full of. So that's that's uh, it's going to be quarantine dives, just nonstop quarantine podcast, just quarantine scenes from movies. So send us your favorite quarantine scenes, and uh, maybe we'll review them, or maybe we'll get back to. There's you're tired. joking. There's probably enough to do it. Like, as I'm thinking, Parks and Rec got that Jerry quarantine, where they just put Jerry in the quarantine and sprayed <laughs> Lysol at him and shit. So okay. it's possible. It's all I'm saying. But we'll find out what we're doing next week. <laughs> all right. Uh, any final thoughts on anything? Or N No, don't die. Wash your hands. That's it. Yeah, same. Same to you, Bubby. And to you out there, audience. Pasta. A little pasta.